So be careful what you do on Thursday night because then Thompson might use it during his prayers and then I can't bring it in as the start of my sermon. But let me, uh, let me add to it um, this piece that, uh, of Ken's book that really <clears throat> grabbed my attention this week. And um, what, I, what David used out of it is not actually what I'm uh, going to use out of it today. It's almost Trinitarian, almost, but it's not. In November 1997, and you guys know this more than me, I feel that as I've been reading Ken's book, I've been reading your story up until uh, I came and crashed it and whatever I've done with it. But um, you may be more aware of some of these moments that Ken's involved in our peace process that uh, perhaps I missed quite a lot of it. It's 1997 and Ken's been interviewed on the radio. Mary McAleese has become president of Ireland and there are some unionists um, suspicious of that. And uh, Ken agrees to go on to early morning radio. He said they phoned him at 7 a.m. And he was on the radio just after 7 a.m. And uh, during the discussion, um, the interviewer says to him that unionists are suspicious of Mary McAleese and that that his leaders, the interviewer uses the words, uh, how can you go when your leaders are saying that no self-respecting unionists should? To which Ken answers, my party leader is Jesus Christ, and he told me to go. It's a great answer. It's a firm answer. It's a strong answer. It's a Christ-centered answer. And I'm going as I read it, yes. And then he says in the book, when the early morning interview was over, I was glad that my mind was nimble and clear. I put it down to the help of the Holy Spirit and a strong cup of coffee. I put it down to the help of the Holy Spirit and a strong cup of coffee. And I love that. Because if Ken was here and you can ask him on the 22nd, I'm sure he did as I did, as I do believe that somehow the Holy Spirit inspired him at that moment to not only answer the question right, but answer it with a prophetic statement that we would be using all these years later, 19 years later, even in our prayers of intercession. But there's something about it too that brings a humility. The strong cup of coffee tagged in the end takes it out of a kind of a, an arrogant, I know it all because God told me, to sense of humility that I'm pretty sure God told me. And I'm following God the Spirit, through a glass darkly, if you will. Today's text, the first one particularly, the second one will come in maybe near the end. It's a sort of an illustration of the first. When we're looking here at this lectionary reading in John chapter 14, a favorite passage of mine um, for many ways, one of the passages that plays a, a key role, I suppose, in my conversion experience too, but we might not have time to share that with us today. Um, What we find ourselves in here uh, is face-to-face with the Father's little helper. Now, I'm really glad John Trinder couldn't make it today because his band would have been leading. And with a title like My Father's Little Helper, you can be sure that he would have tried as hard as he could to shoehorn a Rolling Stones song about drugs into the worship. So we're thankful um, for Shannon and Paul and Alison leading it. The Stones did a song called Mother's Little Helper. And as I was 
wrestling with this in the corridors outside here today because Roberta needs an answer far sooner than I'm able to give her an answer to what the title of the sermon might be. I just shout it out. Well, maybe it's my father's little helper. And in some ways, in some ways, that's where we are. If you remember back to last week, last week we were talking about where Jesus might have been in the uh, the real turmoil of these moments that we've got a, 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 a camera into through John's account of, of the gospel. Because we remember last week we were talking about Jesus had has just been, he's washed their feet, Judas is just about to leave to betray him, and the turmoil of where he must have been thinking as he's around his friends and knowing what's going to happen ahead, what's going to happen within his own life, that's what's going on in Jesus' life. That was the context of last week's sermon. The same context, but taken out of the turmoil that Jesus is going through for this and putting into the lives of the disciples is where we are today. There's question after question at this point of the journey. They're getting some sense that Jesus is leaving. And they're getting some sense, though they've got far from a clarity of it, that that might not be in the most healthy of ways. That it might not be a joyous way that he's going to leave them. And they're beginning to turn all this up in their own hearts and minds and souls. So we find if we went back even to the chapter before, John 13 and 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter's asking questions. Something's going on inside him. Thomas, chapter 14 and verse 5, Lord, We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Still this mystery, still needing some guidance. Philip, three verses later, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. We're struggling here. We we, could just show us the Father, show us some sign. And then Judas, not Iscariot, and in brackets in 14 and 22, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Asking for clarification as to what Jesus was telling them. And into the midst of all this turmoil among the disciples, Jesus is saying, 14 and 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. But he comes back to it here in the passage that Mo read for us earlier. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now think about those words in the context of this turmoil. They don't know what's happening. They don't know where Jesus is going. They don't know what that means for them. They're thinking it might get messy. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Jesus' calm at this point is remarkable. And he's trying to give that calm or sense of calm to his disciples. I'm reminded as I go through this of our trip recently to America. We had an hour and ten minutes to get through Heathrow. And Father Martin and I, I was pretty sure we wouldn't get through. And then the flight was delayed 20 minutes. And I've shared with you before, there's a character called Airport Steve that you do not want to meet. Nobody wants to meet Airport Steve. But Airport Steve was beginning to appear as we ran through Heathrow. And they said, well, you can't go to your gate before you go over there and talk to that desk. And I'm going, we haven't time to talk. I was trying to be calm, but it was in a bit of turmoil. And we got there. Now, we're half an hour from, you're thinking, it's not half an hour. The doors are closing. We have to... And the guy behind the counter is as calm as you've ever seen in all your life. And you're thinking, I wouldn't want to be catching a flight here because this guy's so calm and ponderous and slow. And I made comment. I said, um, you're very calm behind there. And Father Martin said, yes, but he's not trying to catch a flight. It was that kind of moment where you're thinking, oh, Jesus calm. Jesus saying not to let your hearts be troubled. 
How can this go on? Is the mission over? Is this where we go back to the fishing boats or to be tax collectors or whatever we were before Jesus appeared in the scene? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. What is Jesus trying to tell them in this passage? David said it well. And used the communion table well. The table of communal meal in the children's talk. Because he talked about God being present with us. Making a home with us. That's a theme of John if we were thinking carefully. Chapter 1, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God has moved in. The presence of God in Jesus at this stage. Anyone who loves me and will obey my teaching we've read this morning, my Father will love them and we will come and make our home with them. The presence of God with us. Jesus before this has talked about the future. He has said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. A future presence. And if we remember, of course, Revelation chapter 21. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Jesus is trying desperately to say to them, my presence will continue after you don't see me anymore. And that's where the father's little helper And the Holy Spirit makes his appearance. The Holy Spirit. There was one that divided the churches in the 80s. People said the Presbyterians didn't have it at all. And the charismatic movement was up and running. And there was tongues and there was visions. And then in the early 90s we had the Trump of Blessing. Where we had great laughter and all kinds of animal noises. And there was this confusion as to where is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Did the Presbyterians believe in the Holy Spirit. And I think we did. And I think we do. But I think if I look at the scriptures and I look at Jesus' life and I look at what Paul's talking about and then I look at how the Holy Spirit works with us today, I think that that spectacular that many of us look for can be a dangerous thing. We need the Holy Spirit to do some miraculous thing every Sunday in a church so that what? We can believe in him? Or so that what? People out there will somehow pay more attention to him? Or so what? That we look more spiritual than others? It's not often the spectacular that is the spectacular. But the ordinary every day that over time becomes the spectacular. Let me try and explain that Jesus saying I don't want to leave you as an orphan I want to give you presence an everyday presence I want to the spirit's going to come and be with you as a counsellor a guide, an advocate a comforter so let's look and I haven't asked permission for this because she wouldn't have let me let's look at my marriage there have been spectacular moments you go for the birth of your children and you think there's as spectacular as you can get. Or you open a school in Uganda and you stand there and think about family and how family have prayed for Africa and how you end up in Africa. And there's these moments. Or leaving Janice outside Buckingham Palace while she went in to meet all the royals and Caitlin and I had to go and find somewhere to have a cup of coffee and a bottle of milk because we weren't invited. But it was a great moment, spectacular moment. Or watching Bono kiss her. It doesn't get more spectacular than that. 
Yes, those are spectacular moments. But I don't think they're the best moments. I don't think they're the moments that we need more than the others. Where we need were a few weeks after I came to Fitzroy. And I got up one Sunday morning. It might have been three weeks in. And I sat at the end of our bed and I went, I can't do this. Do you know who's sitting out there? I can't preach a sermon to Fitzroy. What did I do? Why did I take this job? Chaplaincy was easy. Even when you were wrong, you were able to say you were 20 years older than them. And you could sort of push your age thing. I can't do it. And then Janice comes round and is just there to say, you've got to do it. They're paying our wage this week. No, that's not what she said. <laughs> just being there. The coffee when you need a coffee. When presentry's driving you mad and you come home and you need some sanity. Companionship. Every day is far more spectacular than these big moments. And I think that's what Jesus is on about when he talks about the Holy Spirit. There will be spectacular moments. And there are testimonies in this church this morning of spectacular moments of the Holy Spirit's interruption. But the more important one that can get lost when we look for the spectacular is the everyday. Paraclete. That's the word. Advocate. Comforter. Encourager. Counselor. Someone has translated it, the one who draws alongside. One writer calls it the mystical, remarkable presence of God among us. The mystical, remarkable presence of God among us. A steady existence, not a bebopping, one other commentator said. A steady existence, not a bebopping. When I was in <clears throat> Calvin, my best man, David Dark, was there doing seminars and I got a chance to hang out with him and so I decided I'm going to hang out with him. I better read his book on the flight on the way over, to which I did. And he quotes in his book um, a singer that we both know called Peter Case, who was doing a seminar among, a, work, a songwriter workshop among teenagers, late teens, 19-year-olds, 18, 19-year-olds. And he looked at them and he said, you've seen enough to be able to write songs about anything. You've seen enough. But have you seen what you've seen? You've seen enough. But have you seen what you've seen? Could I suggest if I translate that for you this morning in Fitzroy. In the context of this paraclete. This advocate. This counsellor. This Holy Spirit. This the Father's little helper. The presence of God amongst us. Moving in to make his home with us. Can I say you've seen the Holy Spirit enough in your life, but have you seen what you've seen? Have you been aware of it? Are you alert to it? Are you sensing the guidance of the Spirit? Are there ways that he leads you? Because that's where we come to another phrase of Ken's that Paul's already alluded to. The grace nav. Isn't that a great phrase? Instead of a sat-nav that gets you, you know, this woman usually, they're always right, aren't they? Who gets you from here to here by giving you these directions. The Holy Spirit in some ways is our grace-nav. 
that helps us to get through the terrain of life. Yes, actually for me, it's got me from First Antrim to Dublin to Deravolgi and to Fitzroy, without question. Not in any spectacular ways, but in very clear ways as I look back, the grace nav has guided and directed my life. So yes, in your journey of life, but more than that, the terrain that Paul was talking about when we were singing earlier, that terrain where we're getting through hard times or tough times. It's like a four-wheel overlander. The Holy Spirit's grace nav that can get us through those difficult times. God drawing alongside us, not promising to get rid of them, but promising to draw alongside. Do we need to be more alert to it? Do we need to seek it more? Do we need to be asking something of the grace nav? Do we need it sometimes to put in the BT address spiritually? that we want to get to? Do we want to be prayerful? Actually, do we just want sometimes to stop and listen? To breathe with the breath of God of his spirit? To seek where he might want us to go? Who he might want us to speak to? To be alert to the guidance that is going on because Jesus has done what he's promised and set up his home with us. And maybe this morning you're not feeling any sense of him at all. Although one or two, and I don't want to get controversial, one or two of the commentators I read this week said the Holy Spirit actually will be the feminine. So maybe we have father and son, and maybe the Holy Spirit brings in the feminine side. Are we aware? Maybe we feel... God's not there. And maybe it's time just to do what they did in Wonderful Life and walk through the past three or four years of your life and just see where maybe God was there. And then we can believe that he is there and will be there. Because when we come here and sing these songs and we hear these children's talks and stop and something tells us we need to change the world, sometimes we can get into a place where we're thinking, well, I can't. Or what can I do? I don't think this is just for me or for you or for you. I think this is for us as well. When you read Ken's book, maybe it's the grace nav and you will find the grace nav of Fitzroy. Us as a community that we're led. And maybe even where you in your individual journey was led. Let us at least declare at the end of this service that we have the presence of God walking alongside us. That he has moved in and we have his presence. The Holy Spirit is there. Have you seen the Holy Spirit that is there? And could we depend on him or her a little bit more as we journey forward as individuals? And as we journey forward as a community, let's pray together. The mystical, remarkable presence of God amongst us. Lord, it's an audacious idea and hope. The God who created the universe might somehow, in ordinary ways, 
be drawing alongside us, be a companion for the journey, be a great be a grace nav to guide and counsel, lead us into truth, comfort. Lord, we pray that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened to see your presence in our lives. To see your presence in each other's lives. To see your presence in our community life as Fitzroy. And to see your presence seeping out across our city and land. Lord, all of us need that companionship. Make us more alert to it, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.